As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Well, welcome back to the show. Today's episode, I got the incredible Dot Rock. What a name that is. I was telling Dot when we first got on, I was like, your name is like the coolest name ever. And I'm sure you've heard that 2 million times. And I'm like the 2 millionth and first person who has said that to you. But it really is such a cool name. And I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I have a feeling you're going to share some of the the highlights, but also some of the tough spots that you experienced along your journey of entrepreneurship. So welcome to the show, Dot. I'm super happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. Yeah. yeah, I I do get the, I get the Dot Rock. That's an awesome name comment quite frequently. Yeah, I know. That's like, that's like a a talk show. It's, I mean, it's like everything. It just stands out. It's so memorable. Um, (laughs) So let's dive on in. I would love for you to share a bit about your backstory. You know, um, I was chatting with someone earlier for another podcast interview and I was saying like so many of us, like our journey did not start out like in adulthood as an entrepreneur. I think it's Mm -hmm. so cool to hear people's backstory. Like what did you do before? What actually led you into entrepreneurship? So kind of fill us in on what got you to where you are now? Okay. So, you know, I think for all of us, there's not like this. Sometimes we hear these podcasts where it's like, and then there was this aha click moment and my whole world changed. And I would just say my path through life has just been this twisty, curvy turn with forks and roundabouts and all kinds of different things that have led me to become an entrepreneur. Right. But I started in college not being supported by my parents, not them, not wanting me to go to college. Um, and you know, my dad was like, you should be barefoot and pregnant at home. And this is just not your role. And I had known from the time I was this little girl that that wasn't my life, that I was going to go change the world. Um, and that I wanted to fly airplanes and do all the things that girls are told they couldn't do. And so I went to college and, you know, I was getting a business degree. Eventually I was, I had landed on a business degree. I had picked a lot of different ones and the hardest thing in business degree was an accounting degree and it was, or the hardest classes. Um, and so I, I picked that because it was the challenge. And so that's definitely a re- reoccurring theme in my life as I, I meet challenges head on. And so I went for that. And then I had a professor that was like, well, what are you going to do with this accounting degree? KPMG and these other big accounting firms are coming to recruit you. Do you want to go work for an accounting firm? And I was like, no way. I don't want to be a CPA. Those are the boringest people in the whole world. And um, anyway, she's like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I want to go fly airplanes. I was going to finish college and then go get my commercial pilot's license. Um, And so she's like, well, why don't you just interview with these firms? So I interviewed and they talked me into taking this job um, where I worked for KPMG International as a financial statement auditor, not a tax, not a tax accountant. Right. And so I learned a lot about financial statements and 
it was this grit world where we worked mm-hmm. 12 to 14 hour days, but we had big expense accounts and traveled the world and we got incredible training. Um, and it definitely wasn't the life for me, but I started just realizing that a lot of the work that we did was in looking at arrears, looking at the year previous. And I would, you know, part of the job was we would go interview the CEO or the CFO of these major Fortune 500 companies as this, you know, fresh out of college kid who doesn't really know anything about business. But you just start seeing trends and patterns in businesses as an auditor. So I did that for a number of years. Um, but I didn't really like this arrears looking and I really liked the people. I really liked having the conversations about hmm, what would you do different? Why would you tweak that? Oh, looking at that now. Um, and so eventually I worked for municipalities and different large organizations as finance director. And I kept overseeing HR. I kept HR kept being a part of it's a part of organizations because it's 85% of expenses typically in organizations is towards people and benefits. Like that's their biggest asset. And so I kept overseeing HR through that or coordinating with HR. And eventually I was working for a rocket engine test facility as the CFO and was really ingrained in doing their hiring processes and saying like, Oh, I'm not an HR person. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, we need an HR person for this. And then I got a job offer um, to go be an HR director for a school district. And I, I went for that because I was done with spreadsheet land mm. and I was all about the people and I wanted to sit and solve problems and be a bigger player in moving people around in organizations in the spots that they lit up to do that work. Like if they're, if you utilize people in an area that um, motivates them, they will work really hard for you and productivity goes through the roof. You know, your operations run really smoothly. You don't have these people issues with HR stuff and everybody's connected to this mission and we all go home feeling good. The thing is, is we spend like most of our time at work not even with our families. So I always thought that we should be doing what we love. So, and that's kind of where this business came from for me is that I was a single mom. I had a little boy and um, his dad and I had split up when he was one and it was just he and I working through life. And I had promised him, I wanted to pick him up from school Mm. by the time he was um, in second grade. That was the promise I had made. I had been dropping him off at daycare and then preschool and then school at 7.30 in the morning and picking him up at 5.30. And I, I, was, I knew these days and these years were fleeting and I wanted to pick him up from school. Like simply mm. stated, I really did love my job. There were issues there. I'm not going to lie that it, it was like in no way a perfect world, but I was a career woman and I loved it. But I wanted freedom. And mm-hmm. so I started thinking about, well, what does freedom really look like for me? And it was it was about doing work that I love and sharing something I'm passionate about with other people, which is teaching people how to lean on support, how to hire support, how to delegate, how to scale their businesses so they do less work and they play more and can be more present with their families or adventuring in their life or doing things that they're really passionate about in their business and not doing everything. So that's where that was all, it all kind of came from. Um, so lots of forks. Yeah. Lots of forks, lots of changes and mm-hmm. just, you know, sounds like 
you are adapting to like, what, where did you feel called to serve or lead yourself next? And you really followed that. Um, Mm -hmm. do you fly planes now? I haven't flown in a while, but yes, I fly up just, you know, Cessnas, 172s, 182s, little airplanes. Yeah. When did you get your pilot's license? I wear a little uh, necklace all the time. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk to you offline because that's something I want to get. I want to learn how to fly. Oh, cool. Um, I actually, I want to come to Florida and kind of get back in the airplane. I had this major hip surgery a couple of years ago and haven't spent as much time in the plane since. And, um, which is a big part of my seeking support story because I had such a major surgery, but I want to come to Florida because it's actually a great place Mm. to get some flying lessons. Okay. Well, we might have to connect on this. We might have to do that. Uh, I was flying to Arizona on a commercial plane. Not, I was not flying myself. And the guy that I set beside, they live part-time in Florida, part-time, I think it was Michigan. And we struck up a conversation and I found out he had gone to, like before COVID happened, about 18 hours of the flying. And then when COVID came, he he was 65 and he was like, you're just so close in there. Like you're literally on top of your teacher in the plane. And he was like, yeah, I just stopped doing it. He goes, I realized when I was doing it, I wasn't as passionate as I thought it was going to be. And he goes, that really has to be something that you are just like ultimately passionate about to go through that whole entire process to get to the end. I was like, that's, that's good to know. I was like, I need to go do it to find out if I'm really passionate about it. And then I'll know. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is a pretty long process. And what I was surprised with was how, you know, I've always thought that hard work will get me anywhere. And it will, but it also doesn't give me this um, mechanical brain that I just Mm -hmm. don't have. Like I may, you know, I didn't grow up driving a forklift and steering with my feet and my hands. And so that multidimensional field that you play on when you're flying that part came slower to me, whereas the book part of it came faster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about like, let's talk about play and passion a little bit. You've used those words. You use the word freedom. And, you know, when you, when any, you know, let's talk about business owners. So many business owners are working, they're grinding, they're hustling. And it's like this idea that I'll go do those things. Like I'll learn how to fly. I'll go spend more time with my kids. I'll take the trips. I'll do whatever their interests are. Like when I get to a certain point, the someday if world, the someday if what has been your experience with yourself, even with some of your clients in terms of integrating things like passion and play and hobbies and how you've noticed that not only has that been more fulfilling in your life, but how it's also had a positive impact on the business. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a game changer um, for me personally and for my clients. So for me personally, I did this coaching program um, with Heather Chauvin a number of years ago. And um, her first thing was to, she was like, do an inventory of your life and like fill up which bucket is full. Right. And for me, the bucket that was really low was on my fitness. I didn't feel inspired even though I made it to the gym every day or got some kind of workout in every day. Right. And I was by most standards, physically fit and crushing it, but that, that bucket was low for me. And my desire was to join CrossFit, but I had all of these stories, the what reasons I couldn't do that. I had a little boy. I was a single mom. I couldn't, they didn't have childcare there. I, uh, 
I, you know, on, and it cost a lot of money. I would have to put a lot of money towards myself each month. Like it was like $200 a month. And I just, I thought that that, like, I had a lot of stories behind doing that. So she was like, well, that's the first thing you have to do for yourself. If you want to see, you know, other things catapult. And so I, I did it. And I thought this is such BS, you know, like there's no way. And the thing is, is it, it made me come alive at this totally different level. It grounded my spirit. And now I work with a personal trainer twice a week at my CrossFit gym because that time that I spend on me, I call it your chief energy officer work that needs to be done as um, an owner in a business. When I'm there, I solve all these problems for my clients. I get clarity. It gets energy out of your body to move your body, right? And it also creates and it increases my creative brain. So it's hugely powerful. Um, And it is for my clients as well. People will come working, come to work with me completely burnt out and Mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm finally ready to hire that team. You can finally teach me the strategy to hire I'm, but I'm I'm like ready to go back to my corporate job because I can't do this anymore. And they're like, what do we do first? Well, the first thing we do is figure out what makes you feel alive. And if that's being in nature or hiking or working out, we're going to do that every day for like two hours or a week before mm-hmm. I'm going to work with you. Mm, I love we're gonna that. We're going to get regrounded mm-hmm. because that's where we can be in alignment to really go after passions. Yeah. I have a really similar story that you just shared about CrossFit. Same as you. My husband is actually a high performance coach and every okay. once in a while he'll coach me. It's We don't do that ongoing, but every once in a while, I'm like, Hey, will you take me through your like coaching process? And it always starts out with an assessment of you scoring yourself in these different categories of your life. And health is one of those. And we did it not too long ago. And he looked at me and he was like, Megan, he goes, I think you are you scored yourself the lowest that than anybody I've ever worked with, like across the board. Now I was like, mm, that's interesting. And same as you, Sean and I, my husband used to be a personal trainer. We were working out at the local gym together. It's a cool gym. It's crunch fitness. I don't know if anybody listening has a crunch nearby. They're all over the place. And I was lifting weights. I've always worked out pretty much. There've been, you know, fleeting moments of seasons where I wasn't as active, but same thing you said, like healthy individual working out compared to the rest of the world, like easily top 3% in like health and fitness. But I was dying inside with that dying inside. And one of the things that I recognized about myself and reminded myself of was that when I was younger, I enjoyed being challenged physically And I enjoyed challenging other people because I was an athlete and I was always on a tennis team or Mm -hmm. a swim team or a softball team or a whatever team. And that's community where you're feeding off of each other Mm -hmm. and you're pushing each other. And I also liked to do things that were not just like, I go outside and run or go outside and lift weights by yourself. It's just so monotonous and boring. And so I didn't join CrossFit, but I joined a gym called burn Boot Camp, And it's like, it's kind of like CrossFit light. Uh, it's like still super intense, but it's the team, the camaraderie, Mm -hmm. the community, it's super challenging. And in order for me to make that work, I had to start getting up at 5am so that I could be there by 530 because I had all the stories. I can't get up that early. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's not going to work. 
And I did it. And this is pretty new. I mean, like a month ago that I started doing that and it came alive, like just came alive in a whole new way, in a whole new way. And it's like, we know that that part of us is there. We know it's there, but it's like, we have this fear to actually go do the things that we know are going to set our souls on fire. So I love that both of us have like a really similar story in that health category. It's awesome. I mean, but what does it tell us? It tells us that there's these stories as a society, obviously towards women that we have kind of bought into that have made us play on a smaller playing field. Mm. And, you know, now I'm like, Oh, I want absolute abundance. I'm thriving in life. And where can I have more? Where can I feel more joy? Because this, you know, it's almost like we've upper limited ourselves with this story Mm. of, Oh no, like you're already going to the gym. You're already totally fit. You should be satisfied. You should, you should whatever bull. Yeah. Right. Like this, it's just bullshit. Yeah. You know what I noticed about myself it, and I noticed this about a lot of women as well. And I know you've had experienced this either personally or with your clients. And it's as if we say we, you know, you know, we hear a lot of people use the word, like I want abundance. I want joy. I want all these things. But then when, when someone directly asks you, what do you want? What do you want in this category? What do you want in this category? And they ask for sp- specifics. What I finally recognize that I was hearing myself say all the time was, I don't know. And I was saying that as a response to what do you want for dinner tonight? Like Mm -hmm. so many things, big and small. And it's like, Hmm, what does that mean? And I started to really explore that. And I find that a lot of women on like a grand scale kind of know what they want, but when it comes to like on a daily basis, what do you really want? Because I think for me in that health category, in those two stories that we were just sharing about ourselves, I hadn't let myself actually acknowledge what I really wanted in that category. Mm -hmm. Therefore I wasn't doing anything about it. What, like from your perspective, what, where does that come from? And I think it's more women than men where, where we, are we really clear on what we want? And how do we get more clear on what it is that we actually want that's going to bring true joy and abundance into our lives? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely do see that trend with women and, and particularly with myself, I did. And I started recognizing it personally. Um, and I, at the time I was working with a coach and I said, you know, I just realized that I want to take my fitness to the next level. I don't want to take my business to the next level. And I'm almost fearful to actually set the goal because Mm. what if I fail? Mm. And so her input on that, which changed a lot for me was, oh, you need to sit down and write about this. You need to sit down and write about these different areas of your life and where you see them in five years and what that would look like if it was what you wanted, everything that you wanted. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you want your house to look like? What do you want your car to look like? What do you want? your fitness to look like all the things. And so I, I did that. And then I reached out to my coach at the gym to say, this, these are pictures of what I want my body to look like. This is the level I want to take it to. This is the type of, you know, how fast I want to run. And, um, 
hold me accountable to this, mm. right? Like I think sometimes we're first afraid to dream and put it out there because we're in service mode towards our families, towards our clients, and we're not first, mm. you know, back to the pilot analogy, when you're a pilot in an airplane and anything goes wrong, if the, if the oxygen tank comes down, even when you're a passenger in an airplane, oxygen mask comes down, you put it on yourself first, and then you put it on your passengers, and then you put it on your children. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, as a pilot, you can't land the plane and nobody else can land the plane. Nobody else can land the plane. Yeah. Right. And so we have to do this in our lives. We have to say, like, what feeds my soul? What is my mm-hmm. oxygen mask first? First, mm-hmm. not second, not after I feed the family, not after I deal with my clients. Like, what? That's why I said chief energy officer first, like mm. what, what is it for you? And then we have to surround ourselves with, su- with support and accountability mm. to get us there because goals are kind of empty unless we pair it with accountability, mindset work, keep, mm-hmm. you know, keep questioning those stories. You tell yourself, have somebody else question those stories and then implement the habits. Like, Mm -hmm. of course the habits are important, but they're not as important as the mindset and the accountability. Then you can have a habit. And then there's strategy. Like for me, even scaling a business, any client, the work that I do strategy wise is honestly like 5% of the picture every time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when it comes to getting clear on where we're truly aligned, And you can talk about this in the life category or the business. And maybe we kind of go into like a little bit of a business direction. You know, I think it's, I think it's really cool. And and it's interesting because in your life, you know, you were sharing, you change, sounds like you changed your major a few times and you were in college, you kind of changed different companies you were working with. You changed different roles over the years from the finance officer to the HR person, from the finance world to the public education world. Now you're an entrepreneur, you've been married, you've been a mom, you've been single, like all the things, like lots of different changes. And of course your Mm -hmm. business has evolved over time as well. One of the, one of the statements that I have heard often over the years uh, of being an entrepreneur and working with other entrepreneurs is that some of them have a tendency to really worry about making a decision on the next direction they're going to go in, whether it's the type of client they're going to serve next. And I'm not talking about people who have never been a business owner. I'm talking about people who've been doing it for a while. And it's like time to make some moves. It's like super worried about, am I going in the right right direction with my next program or the business model that I'm choosing or the marketing angle that I'm choosing or the hire that I'm making or the branding I'm going to create. It's like, there's all this worry and doubt about, I'm going to make the wrong decision. And I know you talk a lot about having an aligned business, living an aligned life. How, how do you know when you are truly aligned when you're making those decisions? I don't think you ever fully know. It's sort of like the, 
well, well, am I ready to have kids yet? Like, no, you're never <laughs> ready. You're never, is there anything we're actually ever really truly ready for? I think it's a question that keeps us small and it keeps us from accomplishing and, and taking our lives and our businesses to the next level. I, gosh, you know, we, I run into this a lot where it's like, well, I don't know if I'm making the right hire. Well, mm. Okay, well, let's talk about your values. Let's talk about why you started this business in the first place. What are you passionate about? What drives you? And sometimes we get pretty deep in our businesses. We've actually lost sight of that. Mm. Um, and I really believe in you know building that into our rhythm of business and the things that we do every day in our business and every month and every quarter, and then building those into our our processes, our our procedures, the things that we do, our operations, our hiring. And then we have more alignment and clarity back to our purpose, back to our passion, back to the reason we started the business. We share that with somebody that we, you know, this we share that in our job description. We share that in putting that out into the world. And then we can kind of attract and actually hire and onboard people who know about our clarity. We've shared that up front. And then they have a connection to this, um, our values and our passion and our clarity. And I mean, we're hardwired for human connection. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's how we get past this. Well, I don't know if it's the right thing. Well, let's just, let's go back to your compass. Maybe you just need to like, I, I did it myself in my business just this last week because I'm thinking about creating new programs. Like I'm not unlike any other entrepreneur out there. I do the same things. I stopped myself too. And it was, a, so I looked at some sales questions and the question was, why do you do what you do? And what do you want people to take away from it? Hmm. And I wanted to get the perfect wording. And I wanted to say it like some elevator pitch that needed to be just right. So that that one minute of saying it. And so I I got stuck for like half a day before I answered that question. And then I went and worked out because that's a a key for me. And then I opened it back up and I looked at the question and I was like, oh, well, that's easy because I want to live a life of purpose and passion, seeking adventure with my family Mm -hmm. while I do a job that I love helping other people surround themselves with support so that they can live the life that they want and they don't sit on their deathbed wishing they had worked less. Mm. Like it was, a, it was kind of simple, right? Yeah. But I thought I had to make it sound perfect too. Yeah. Why do you do, why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because so much of what we're talking about here, it truly is simple. I mean, we, nothing we're sharing is nothing you're mm-hmm. sharing is it's not rocket science. It's not, you don't even have to have a degree to go be this way. Why do we make it so hard? Well, our brains are always looking to, to keep us safe always mm-hmm. of every single day, you know, and I'm not a psychology major or anything, but I do know my brain is always constantly trying to keep me safe. I mean, to the point where this cup right here, I'll get up to go and I'll be like, Oh, I should go put that in the kitchen. And I'll be like, Oh no, you can do that later. Like, hello, that was just trying to keep me safe instead of trying to keep me decluttered. Could my brain yeah. like switch to keeping me decluttered instead of safe? Um, 
but you know, we do this and it's constant. And it's once we start getting ahead of those stories and able to just like catch ourselves and say, wait, did I just try to like destroy my own joy? Mm-hmm. Did I just try to make, make myself think I really have to do it all in my business? Like one that I get a lot is, well, I haven't figured out how to do that yet. So I can't hire anyone to do that yet. Well, that is the perfect reason to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. We don't have to figure out how to do it all before mm-hmm. we hire somebody else to do it mm-hmm. or before we delegate a task. Yeah. Speaking of team and delegation, I think there's a lot of confusion or maybe even misguidedness in the business coaching world, you know, Mm -hmm. coaches, business coaches, teaching newer entrepreneurs, how to start building a team, how to start moving things off of their plate. And a lot of what I've witnessed over the years being in programs as well, pretty much the statement is just go outsource it, just go delegate it. And no training whatsoever beyond that. And it leaves people in a really tough spot because they're not, they've never done that before. And then you hear, well, I don't know what to delegate. I don't know how to bring someone on. I don't know who I'm looking for. And it's just like this whole heap of, I don't knows all over again. Mm -hmm. What is it? What's the difference between, you know, delegating, outsourcing, truly leading people, really motivating people. I love what you just said. You know, I think a lot of people might have the question with your statement. So I'd love to hear you talk about this. How can I bring someone on if I don't even know how to do the thing? Then then I don't know how to train them. I, I hear that quite a bit. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about team building and delegation and, and leading people. Okay. So the first thing I say was, you know, if a word makes it sound hard, like counting your macros sounds hard, <laughs> um, dieting sounds hard, but fueling my body actually sounds inspiring. So changing the language. Let's change the language a little bit. Like to me, delegation is this dirty word that we've created, but actually it's just an art form. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about art, that's like an expression of human creativity and imagination and curiosity and skill, right? So Mm -hmm. if we think of this as an art and our businesses as an art, with this mindset first that we're trying to feel good in our businesses. Um, And we're not trying to take to do's, which is really masculine off our plate. We're just trying to feel good every day. And, you know, do I want to feel productive today? How do I feel productive today is that I'm, I don't do everything. I have someone doing the task that take me a lot of time and energy that I'm not very good at, that I don't enjoy. And I'm over here working on the things that do light me up, like being on a podcast, right? I enjoy that. So I'm doing Mm -hmm. that and it helps me solve my client issues, right? And so we've got delegation as an art form. And then now let's talk about what delegation actually is. Delegation is the act of empowering another to act on behalf of yourself, Like it is about empowering again, like a beautiful word, but we think of delegation as like, I got like, I'm I'm afraid I got to get everything off my plate. I don't know how to do that. You don't actually have to know how to do something to delegate it. But what you do have to do is follow a few of the key strategies behind delegation um, because there is a process and that's about assigning a task, assigning the responsibility 
asking someone to own the results and assigning them the outcome. Mm. So I think about delegation. I'm like, okay, well, let me break it down really small. I have two nine-year-old little boys. I'm now remarried and my bonus child is the same age as my son. So I have these step twin nine-year-old boys. Well, I want to teach them how to feel their bodies. And so, and I also don't want to um, pack their snacks and their lunches for the rest of my life. I was really excited to become a mom and pack lunches actually, but I had no idea that we'd have to take food with us everywhere we go for the rest of forever. So I do want to teach them the skills so that when they go to college or whatever, they can feel their bodies. So I was like, I'm going to have them start packing their lunches, packing their snacks is where we're going to get started. Well, what did they do? They packed gummies. Like they've like picked the crap. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I got to like show them, wait, there's, there's a little training here. I got to show them my expectations and really truly assign this task. Like, this is what I need. Here's, here's what you need to do. Right. And here, you got to take a protein and a carb with you in a fat, you know? And so I teach them this and they understand. And then I, I was like, Oh wait, my system isn't working very well because my pantry's not organized very well because this isn't working great. So I set up a new little system with some different baskets and it told them that they, where they needed to pick things out. And I have them help me bag up snacks and we talk about what the food is in them, right. Or what the um, nutrients are in that food. So the point is, is it's over time that they are learning this and I'm letting them actually fail at it. The first time they took gummies, they came home hungry and they had meltdowns and I had to be like, Oh, why do you think you're crying and fighting? Because I'm hungry. Right. And and it's it's because I let them fail. And we need to do the mm-hmm. same thing with our contract employees, with our employees, with our loved ones. Like tell them, be clear on what you're expecting and what you need on, on that outcome. I no longer want to pack your snacks every day. I want you to be able to do this so that when you're at somebody else's house, you know how to feel your own body, right? And that conversation doesn't just happen like that. It just doesn't switch overnight. But you know, my kids are getting pretty good at at packing their own snacks. Yeah. I love hearing you say that you are letting them make mistakes. You're letting them make mistakes. And I think that is something that is so important with team members, even though they are adults even though we're running businesses. And I think there's such a fear that if, if the people on my team are making mistakes, then my clients are going to be, it's reflecting on me and it's reflecting on my brand. And that's my reputation. What are people going to think about me? But when we think about it with kids, I mean, our kids hate when they feel like they've done something wrong. That makes them cry. Like you want to make your kid cry say something to them that makes them feel like they're wrong or they did something wrong. Your adult team members might actually feel the same way. And I think it's so empowering actually when you let them make mistakes and you let them fail. That, because that that's where we so learn. Freedom. Yeah. Well, it, it is also where we learn. I mean, why do I know how to pack a snack? Because <laughs> I've gone hungry. I've failed and I still fail as an adult. So I forgot to bring my water and now I'm thirsty, yeah. right? So those are failures and it's okay to fail. And, you know, one of the things I say to people when I'm teaching them to delegate is that, you know what, you you have to ex- start accepting imperfection. 
imperfect. That's the biggest way to scale your business is you let go of controlling absolutely everything and you allow people to fail because when people fail, that's when they remember how to do a task. That's when they know, oh, well, that's why they said not to do it that way. Yeah, because that totally just blew up. It's how Mm -hmm. we have learned and it's how we should allow our teams to learn. Now, that's why you don't assign a task that has huge, you know, the outcome is just going to destroy you if if yeah. people fail like the risk tolerance needs to be lower and you have to you have to gear up to that now you start hiring people at a higher price point you're probably able to hand things over a lot quicker too but mm-hmm. like look at where you're hiring people um and what burden you're putting on their shoulders is that appropriate or not mhm I love this. So much of this conversation is necessary when a business is going into scale mode. And I know that's exactly what you help your clients do. I'd love for you to share a little bit about the way you work with people. How are you helping people scale their businesses? Like what are the categories that you're really working on with a client when they, when they come to you? And I know that that life component is still such a vital component of the work that you do. So share a little bit more about how you work with folks and, and, what are you looking at in terms of helping them scale their business? So for me, when I scale a business, um, I, I think of the fact that we have three dials to scaling and that being profit, which is revenue minus expenses. So we look at the numbers like what, and you can, these are the dials that you can shift and play with to exponentially grow a business. That's what scaling actually is. It's exponential growth with minimal input. Now we will all grow if we change an input, but will that be exponential growth or not? And that's what, that's what scaling actually is, is you, you put in a minimal change and, and and experience a a big um, change in your profit. So let's look at revenue minus expenses. Sometimes people have to change their spending habits. Um, Sometimes we just need to play with the price point of their programs or, you know, diversify their revenue. The second component is operations. That when we scale that, we look at where efficiencies can be gained, what we can streamline, what is being duplicated, um, and what is just kind of a bottleneck. And then the third one is people, which is the biggest. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like eighty-five percent of expenses in, in businesses, larger businesses particularly, is to the people, right? Mm-hmm. And so, if it's just a solopreneur, we need to talk about your time. Mm-hmm. We need to kind of audit your time and see where it's being spent mm-hmm. uh, and what kind of tasks we could get off your plate and probably hire and probably um, teach you how to give feedback and delegate and um, flex those muscles. And then again, scaling is this journey, not a destination. Yeah. We're not going to like, oh, I scaled my business. Now I can go on vacation for forever. Nope. That's not how it works because hopefully if you scaled, you just increased your revenue, you have more clients. Mm. Now something else needs to change too. Yeah. Hopefully why we're entrepreneurs so we can keep changing things. Yeah. Keep changing, keep innovating, keep creating, keep building people up. I love it. I love it. At what point is someone at in their business when they are a really great fit for what you can help them do? I mean, I say that you should start hiring support the day that you start your business. 
Um, and so I have a boot camp that is a great fit for solopreneurs. Walks in through a 30 day, 30 days of mindset and strategy um, to really get clear and figure out what to get off their plate, how to create that job description, how to onboard somebody and how to streamline that process because that's a rinse and repeat process that they're going to continue to do throughout their business. And day one, you can outsource like at least two hours of work a month Mm. and make money doing that. Like people always say, I can't afford, you don't have to hire somebody full time. You can hire somebody. I, I have one person that works for me I think she works like an hour or two a month doing my bookkeeping. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But it moves the needle for me and I don't get stuck in this bottleneck. So that's one thing is hire right away. Um, And the other way I work with people is one-on-one through VIP um, intensives and sessions. And I have some programs that I help people um, work through. I have a bunch of templates um, it's, and it's very customized based on the business. I have some people that come to me and they want to just look at their accounting processes. Mm. And I have other people who could care less about their accounting processes. That's not something that matters to them at all. And it's all about hiring and or firing, um, and working through, you know, more of the HR side of life. And then some people really just want to talk about, let's create standard operating procedures. I need help with that yeah, because that's a bottleneck for some people. Awesome. And where's the best place for people to find you, reach out to you? Best place to find me and reach out. Um, you can just send, shoot me an email, go through my website, rockconsulting.com. I have a blog on there that I write a lot. That's one of the things that lights me up along with working out as writing. And so a lot of these concepts are written in my blog. Um, so it's a great place for somebody to kind of check out my um, thought processes And then I'm on Instagram dot underscore rock underscore. Um, That's a great place to check out my freebies. Awesome. Those links are in the show notes below. So go grab those freebies and read that blog and connect with dot on Instagram dot. This was such a phenomenal conversation with you. I love your perspective on living an abundant life, knowing when to slow down, knowing when to make a shift, knowing when it's the right time for you to make decisions that are ultimately in alignment with you so that you can just live a bigger life and play a bigger game. So thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.